After reciting the Tashahud, Tawuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Israhil Aziz stated that the accounts from the life of Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu are being mentioned and I will continue to narrate them today as well. In fact, all the material that I had collected in relation to Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu will be completed today, inshallah. The Promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, Hazrat Imam Hussain once asked Ayy Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that do you love me? Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu replied that yes. Hazrat Hussain was greatly astonished at this as to how one's heart could instill the love for two things at the same time. Following this, Hazrat Imam Hussain said, Who will you love when it comes to deciding between the two? Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu replied that I will love Allah. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu has also mentioned this incident and states that Hazrat Hassan asked Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that do you love me? Hazrat Ali replied that yes I do. Following this, Hazrat Hassan asked that do you love Allah the Almighty? Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu replied that yes. Upon this, Hazrat Hassan said that then you are committing a form of shirk by associating partners with God. Because shirk is defined as associating the love for someone else with the love for God Almighty. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that Hassan, I am not committing shirk. There is no doubt that I love you, but when your love comes up against my love for Allah the Almighty, I will immediately cast your love aside. In relation to an incident regarding Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, Whenever Hazrat Ali was confronted with a huge trial, he would pray to Allah the Almighty in the following manner, that is, Ya Kaf Ha Ya Ain Saad, Ikhfirli. That is, O Kaf Ha Ya Ain Saad, 
forgive me. According to a narration of Ummihani, the meaning of these abbreviated letters, as mentioned by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is as follows. Qaf stands for the attribute of Qafi, i.e. all-sufficient. Ha stands for the attribute of Hadi, i.e. the true guide. Ain stands for the attribute of Alim or Alim, i.e. the all-knowing. And Swad stands for the attribute of Sadiq, i.e. the truthful. In other words, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was praying to Allah the Almighty in the following manner, that, O Allah, you are the all-sufficient, the true guide, the all-knowing and the truthful. And I implore you by all of your attributes and ask you to forgive me. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu states, that these scholars have mentioned an incident relating to Hazrat Ali which is that once he called out to one of his servants, but he did not respond. Hazrat Ali called him several times, but he still did not reply. But after a short while, the servant coincidentally appeared before Hazrat Ali upon which Hazrat Ali asked him, that what happened to you? I called you numerous times, but you did not respond to me. To this he replied that the fact of the matter is that I was certain of your kindness and I considered myself protected from your punishment and therefore I did not respond to you. Hazrat Ali was so pleased with this reply of his that he freed him. Now if this had been a worldly person he may have punished him for taking advantage of his kindness. However, Hazrat Ali rewarded him instead. Hazrat Muslim states that there was an individual who used to teach Hazrat Ali sons, Hassan and Hussein. On one occasion, Hazrat Ali passed by his sons and heard their tutor teaching them to pronounce Khatiman Nabiyin. Upon this, Hazrat Ali stated that do not teach my sons to say Khatiman Nabiyin, rather teach them to say Khataman Nabiyin. In other words, with a fatha, or a diacritical mark, above the letter ta, as opposed to a kasra underneath it. Despite the fact that both pronunciations are possible, however, I prefer for it to be pronounced as khataman nabiyyin, because it means the seal of the prophets, whereas khatiman nabiyyin would mean the one who ends prophethood. Thus, teach my sons to pronounce it with a fatha above the letter ta. Hazrat Muslim further states that it is proven regarding Hazrat Ali that he had committed the Holy Quran to memory, i.e., he was a Hafiz, and in fact he had started working of compiling the Holy Quran according to the order of its revelation immediately after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. At another instance, Hazrat Muslim states that once a companion invited the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for a meal. And some other companions had also been invited, among whom was Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Ali was younger in age as compared to the others, and so some of the companions decided to engage with him in a light-hearted manner. As they ate dates, they would place the date stones in front of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was doing the same. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was young and occupied himself in eating, 
and so he did not notice. When he finally did realize, he found a pile of date stones in front of him. The companions, in a light-hearted manner, said to Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu, You have eaten all the dates. Look at the pile of date stones in front of you. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu also had a light-hearted disposition and would not become annoyed at such things. Had this been his nature, he would have argued with the companions and said that they were falsely accusing him or thinking ill of him. However, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu understood that they were simply engaging with him in a light-hearted manner and thought to himself that it was best for him to also reply in a light-hearted manner as well. Hence, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that you have all eaten the date stones as well, whilst I have been keeping them to one side. Meaning, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said in a light-hearted manner, that as they had been eating the dates, they ate the date stones along with them. However, he did not, and the proof was that he had a pile of date stones in front of him. Thus, the light-hearted comment of the companions was turned back on them. At another instance, Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states in relation to Hazrat Ali that it is mentioned in the Hadith that once, while the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was reciting the Holy Qur'an during prayer, Hazrat Ali reminded him of a certain portion. After the prayer had concluded, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Hazrat Ali that it was not your duty to do so, for I have appointed certain people to remind me if I ever make a mistake. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was reciting the Holy Qur'an during the prayer when he missed a portion upon which Hazrat Ali reminded him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, told him that he had already appointed certain people for this task and so Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu did not need to, despite the fact that Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu was quite learned as well. At another instance, Hazrat Muslim radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, there is a commandment in the Holy Qur'an that before consulting with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, on any matter, one should give sadqah, i.e. alms. It is mentioned that before this commandment, Hazrat Ali had never consulted with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, after this commandment had been revealed, Hazrat Ali went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and after giving some sadqah, he said that he wished to consult the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, on a matter. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took Hazrat Ali to one side and spoke with him. Another companion later asked Hazrat Ali what it was that he had consulted with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that I do not need to consult about anything specific. Rather, I wish to fulfill this commandment of the Holy Qur'an. Such were the ways of the companions. In another narration with regards to this incident, it is mentioned that a companion would go from house to house in order to fulfill the Qur'anic injunction that if a member of a house turns them away, then they must return. He states that I tried on several occasions and in fact at times I would go daily to people's houses hoping that one would tell me to go back and that I may do so happily and thereby fulfill the commandment of the Holy Quran. Yet this wish of mine would not be fulfilled as no one from any of the houses would tell me to return. Nowadays, if it is said to anyone that they are busy and they should return or they cannot meet them, people get offended by it. But the level of righteousness, i.e. the taqwa of the companions was such that they would try to act upon each and every injunction of the Holy Qur'an. Hazrat Muslim anhu states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once asked the companions for some alms. Hazrat Ali anhu went out, cut some grass, and having sold it, he gave the amount he had received from it in alms. Then, whilst mentioning an incident, 
perhaps in one of his classes, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah stated that Hazrat Alama Ubaidullah Sahib Bismil was a very distinguished Shia scholar. He was so learned and possessed such deep knowledge that even after becoming an Ahmadi, some of his books were not only being taught in the time of the promised Messiah but they were also being taught after the partition of India and continue to be taught in Shia schools. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah further states that I remember that a Shia gentleman came to speak to me when I was serving in the Waqf Jadid department and after our discussion he expressed how he was satisfied and by the grace of Allah the Almighty he became an Ahmadi. And after making this decision he told me that he was a Shia scholar however he had not disclosed this to me previously. I do not recall exactly what position he held but he was from a village in Shekhupura or Faisalabad or from some area nearby. And he told me that he held such and such position among the Shias and that he was a scholar. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah is saying that the person who pledged his allegiance or he took the bath was a Shia scholar who lived in Shekhupura. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah continued by saying that he told me that he was a scholar and held a high status among the Shias. He further said to me that even to this day the books of Ubaidullah Sahib Bismil are still being taught in our schools. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV Rahimahullah further states that such was the immense influence of his knowledge and yet these Shias do not even tell us that they teach the books of Bismil Sahib. He states that I only happened to find out through this scholar, but even whilst teaching these books, they do not mention who Bismil Sahib was and what happened to him later. Bismil Sahib, in fact, accepted the promised Messiah and he relinquished all the honour he had attained from the time he spent whilst following the Shia faith. And so this is a reference from his book, i.e. the book of Bismil Sahib, and hence the reference is not from any ordinary person. Hazrat Muslim Allah is giving a reference from this book after explaining its background and stated that Al-Bazar has written in his Musnad that Hazrat Ali asked of his people that tell me who is the bravest person. They replied that you are the bravest. Hazrat Ali then said that I always fight he who is equal to me so how can I be the bravest? Hazrat Ali then asked again that who is the bravest? This particular reference has been mentioned by Bismil Sahib in his book and it states that the people answered that we don't know, please tell us. Hazrat Ali then stated that the bravest and most courageous person is Hazrat Abu Bakr Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that the most brave and courageous was Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He then stated that listen, during the battle of Badr we made a canopy for the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and we began conferring amongst ourselves 
as to who would stay with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, under the canopy, lest an idolater attacks the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. By God, none from among us had stepped forward yet, when Hazrat Abu Bakr went with his sword drawn and stood beside the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Subsequently, no idolater dared to launch an attack, and had they dared to attack, Hazrat Abu Bakr would have struck them immediately. This is why he was the bravest of all. In other words, Hazrat Abu Bakr And this incident was narrated by Hazrat Ali Hazrat Ali, may Allah bestow him with honour states, On one occasion, the idolaters surrounded the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and were dragging him around saying that he is the one who says that God is one. By God, no one had the courage to stand up to the idolaters. Hazrat Ali is narrating this and states that by God, no one had the courage to stand up to the idolaters, but Hazrat Abu Bakr fought them and pushing them aside, he made them disperse. And Hazrat Abu Bakr kept on repeating the words that woe be unto you, you harm a person who says that only Allah is his Lord. While stating this, Hazrat Ali lifted his cloak over his face and wept so profusely that his beard became soaked. And he then said that may Allah guide you. O people, tell me, were the believers from the people of the Pharaoh, i.e. in the time of Moses salam, better or Hazrat Abu Bakr Those from among the people of the Pharaoh who accepted belief did not sacrifice themselves for their Prophet as much as Hazrat Abu Bakr did. When the people heard this, they remained silent. Upon which Hazrat Ali stated, O people, why do you not respond? I swear by God, one moment in the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr is better and greater than a thousand moments of the believers from among the people of Pharaoh. The reason for this is because the people in the time of Pharaoh used to conceal their faith, whereas Hazrat Abu Bakr professed his faith openly. Hazrat Muslimaud further writes that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, once advised Hazrat Ali saying that, O Ali, even if one person accepts Islam due to your preaching, that will be better for you than if you had a large herd of sheep and goats that were passing between two mountains and seeing them would please you. Hazrat Ummul Mu'mineen, Hazrat Umm Salma radiallahu ta'ala anha relates that I swear that I heard the Holy Prophet peace be upon him say that whosoever loves Ali loves me and whosoever loves me loves Allah and whoever harbours malice against Ali harbours malice against me and whosoever harbours malice against me harbours malice against Allah. Hazrat Zar narrates that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that I swear by the one who causes the grain to sprout and created the soul. Verily the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the Immaculate One, took a pledge from me that only a believer will have love for me and only a hypocrite will harbour malice against me. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, called him and said, Your example is like Prophet Jesus alayhi salam in that Jews opposed him so much that they fabricated a grievous calumny against his mother. 
The Christians exceeded all bounds in their love for him, i.e. for Jesus salam, to the extent that they gave him a rank and station that was not for him. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu then stated that take heed, two types of people will perish owing to their beliefs about me. The first are they who exceed all limits in their love for me and grant me that rank that is not for me. And the second are they who harbour malice against me and forge calumnies against me. Then with regards to the distribution of the spoils received, known as fair, which are those spoils captured without a physical war-taking place, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala had adopted the practice of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala And so, when these spoils would come to him, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala would distribute everything and would not save anything from it, except for that which he was unable to distribute that day. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala would say that, O material world, go and deceive someone else on account of your attractions. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala would not accept anything from the spoils of fair, nor would he give anything to his close friends or relatives. He would only assign honest and trustworthy people as governors or to other officers. And if he would learn about any dishonesty committed by any of his governors, he would write the following verses to them. That is, O mankind, there has indeed come to you an exhortation from your Lord. He would further state, O full mikyala wal mizana bil kisti, wala tabhasun nasa ashiaahum, wala ta'thawfil ardi mufsidin. Baqiyatullahi khayrullakum in kuntum mu'minin, wa ma'ana alaykum bihafiz. That is, give full measure and full weight with equity and defraud not people of their things and commit not iniquity in the earth, causing disorder. That which is left with you by Allah is better for you if you are believers and I am not a keeper over you. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala would further add that from the time this letter reaches you, ensure that you safeguard the wealth that is entrusted with you until I send a person to you who can take those possessions from you. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala would then look towards the sky and pray, O Allah, verily you know that I never commanded them to commit injustice against your people, nor did I command them to forsake the rights owed to you. Abjad bin Jarmuz narrates that his father said to him, that I saw Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala departing from Kufa. At the time he was wearing two Kitri cloaks. Kitri is the name of a settlement in Bahrain where red stripped clothes were made and one of which Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was wearing as a lower garment that draped up to the middle of his calf and the other he wore as a cloak. He states that he held a whip in his hand and as he walked through the marketplace he advised the people to fear Allah and to speak the truth and to buy and sell in good faith, and to give full measure and accurate weight of the goods. Hazrat 
Mujamme Taimin narrates that once Hazrat Ali radiallahu distributed all the wealth that was in the treasury, Aibatul Mal, amongst the Muslims. He then ordered for it to be whitewashed with limestone, and after this he offered the Salat and hoped that this room of the treasury would be a witness for him on the Day of Judgment. While speaking about Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, on one occasion Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala anhu writes, The promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam has stated that I saw another dream on December 7th, 1892, that I had become Hazrat Ali, may Allah bestow him with honour. Meaning that in my dream I felt as if I was Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu. It is one of the wonders of a dream that sometimes a person feels that he is someone else, and in that way I felt at that time that I was Ali Murtaza, and the situation was that a group of Khawarij was opposing my Khilafat. That is to say, they wished to obstruct my becoming Khalifa and were creating mischief for that purpose. I then saw that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, came close to me and said with, with kindness and affection, Ya Aliyu da'hum wa ansarahum wa zira'atahum. That is, O Ali, stay away from them, their helpers and their harvest. Leave them and turn away from them. The promised Messiah states that I found that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, advised me to be steadfast in the midst of that trial and to refrain from getting involved with those people. He told me that I was in the right, but that it would be better not to address them. Hazrat Muslim Allah further states that Hazrat Ali Allah's army took over the spoils belonging to the Khawarij and distributed the weapons and the mounts used in the war amongst the people. But upon returning to Kufa, Hazrat Ali returned the possessions, slaves and concubines to their owners. On another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that Hazrat Umar's Khilafat was further away from the era of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as compared to the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr The same was the case with Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali. Undoubtedly, their rank was lesser than that of the Caliphs before them. However, the incidents that occurred in the time of Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali were not as a result of them being lower in rank, but it was owing to the distance from the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the reason for this is the majority of those people present during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar were those who had spent time in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. But later on, those who had not enjoyed the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, became more influential. Thus, one person asked Hazrat Ali the reason why the conflict and discord witnessed in his time were not witnessed in the eras of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. To this, Hazrat Ali replied, The fact of the matter is that the people serving under Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar were like me, and the people serving under me in this era are like you. Then, whilst narrating another incident on a different occasion, Hazrat Muslim anhu stated, that during the time when the war between Hazrat Ali and Muawiyah was ensuing, a person went to Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar and said, that why do you not participate in the wars alongside Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when the Qur'an clearly states that fight them until there is no persecution. To this, Abdullah bin Umar replied, 
that we fulfill this commandment in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when Islam was still spreading and one would be persecuted owing to their religion. In other words, one would either be killed or tortured for accepting Islam. Until a time when Islam spread and then no one would be put to trial due to their faith, in other words, the wars that were previously fought were because the Muslims were forced to change their faith and against those who wished to return them back to their original faith, i.e. idolatry. But now that the faith had been established and there was no dispute over one's religion anymore, but instead there was a difference of opinion on certain matters, that is why these wars are taking place and for this reason I do not take part in them. Nevertheless, this was his viewpoint. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states that when the Byzantine king learned of the war between Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Muawiyah, he wished to launch an attack against the Islamic states. Hazrat Muawiyah wrote to him and said, that beware, do not be deceived by our internal dispute. For if you launch an attack, I will be the first general to march against you and fight under the army of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu ta'ala anhu has mentioned this in more detail in another place. He writes that there was a time when seeing the conflict between Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah, a Byzantine king wished to send an army to attack the Muslims. And at the time, the Byzantine Empire wielded the same power that USA holds today. And upon learning of his intentions to launch an attack, a Christian priest who was very intelligent said, Your Majesty, take my advice and refrain from launching an attack. Even though they have disagreements among themselves, however, they will all unite against you, leaving aside all their differences. He then gave an example and either he did it in a contemptuous manner or perhaps he felt that this was a better example to give. But in any case, he said, if you bring some dogs and starve them for a while and then place some meat before them, they will begin to fight one another. However, if you were to set a lion against them, they both will set aside their differences and launch a joint attack on the lion. And so through this example, he conveyed to the king that he wanted to take advantage of the disagreement between Hazrat Ali and Muawiyah. However, he should know that if ever there was a question of an external attack, they both will cast their differences aside and will unite against the enemy. And this is precisely what happened. When Hazrat Muawiyah learned of the Byzantine king's intentions, he sent him a message stating, You seek to take advantage of the disagreements between us and attack the Muslims. However, let it be known that even though there is discord between me and Hazrat Ali, but if your army launches an attack, then I will be the first general to set out against your army from Hazrat Ali's side. Hazrat Ibn Abbas relates that Hazrat Umar radiallahu used to say that the most excellent reciter of the Holy Quran amongst us is Ubay bin Kab, and the one who is best in giving verdicts is Ali. Hazrat Ummi Atiyah relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent an army for an expedition, and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also part of it. And she states that she heard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, recite the following prayer, that, O Allah, do not cause me to die until you show me Ali. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent Hazrat Ali on a military expedition, and when he returned, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated to him, Allah, his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Jibreel are pleased with you. 
Then there is another incident in which Amir Muawiyah asked Zarar Sudai to recount the qualities of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to him. He replied that, O leader of the faithful, excuse me from this. Amir Muawiyah insisted that he must inform him. Upon this, Zarar replied that if that is the case, then listen. By God, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a man of great courage and possessed strong faculties. He spoke decisively and issued verdicts based on justice. He was a fountain of knowledge and insight, and his every word was filled with deep wisdom. He expressed aversion for worldly material and its attractions, and loved the solitude of the worship in the night. He would weep profusely and carefully deliberate and ponder over matters. He dressed modestly and ate simple food. He lived among us just like an ordinary person. If ever we would ask him a question, he would give us the answer, and if we inquired about an incident, he would inform us about it. By God, despite the fact that we had a bond of great mutual love and closeness, but owing to the awe of his grandeur, we would speak very little before him. He would show great respect to those who were devout and pious and held the poor very close to him. Even the strongest of people could not influence him with their falsehood, and even the weakest would never be disappointed by his high level of justice. By God, on certain occasions, I saw that when the night entered its latter stages and the stars began to dim, he would take hold of his bed and would tremble like one who had been bitten by a snake, and he would profusely weep like one who is overcome with extreme sorrow, and he would say, O world, leave me and go and deceive someone else. Why do you come to me with all your allure and attractions? What you desire of me shall never come to pass, shall never come to pass. I have announced my intentions to divorce you thrice, after which there is no possibility of reunion. This is because your life is short and you hold no significance. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was speaking symbolically to the world here, and he states that your life is short and you hold no significance. There are very little provisions yet the journey is long and perilous. When he mentioned all of these qualities, Amir Muawiyah began to cry upon hearing them and stated that may Allah bestow his mercy upon Abu Hassan. By God, he was certainly like this. Amir Muawiyah then stated that, O Zarar, how sorrowful were you upon Ali's demise? He replied, the same level of grief that will be experienced by a mother whose child is slaughtered whilst in her lap. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's jurisprudential verdicts are well known and I will relate some of those which Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala anhu has mentioned. Hazrat Muslim Maud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, Tabari has written about an incident from the era of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu which illustrates the great caution they took right from the inception of Islam. The incident is as follows. Adal bin Usman relates, Hazrat Muslim has also included the entire Arabic text of this narration. However, I will leave the Arabic text out for now, but inshallah, when the sermon is officially published, it will be included in that. However, for now, I will present its translation only. The translation is that Adal bin Usman relates that Hazrat Ali was staying outside of Hamdan when he saw two groups fighting against each other. Hazrat Ali reconciled the two groups and made peace between them. However, he had not gone too far when he heard someone calling for help. 
Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu ran so quickly towards him that his footsteps could be heard and he kept repeating that help is here, help is here. As Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu approached closer, he saw that one of the men had grabbed hold of another man. And upon seeing Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he submitted that, O leader of the faithful, I sold him a piece of cloth for nine dirham. However, the condition also was that none of the dirhams should be faulty or defective, which he, i.e. the buyer, had agreed to. He then said that he gave me some defective dirhams, and so when I came to exchange these defective dirhams, he refused to do so. When I insisted, he then slapped me in return. Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu then instructed the buyer to exchange the coins and then asked the other individual to provide proof that he slapped him. When he presented the proof, Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu told the one who slapped him to sit down and told the other individual to seek retribution. Upon this, he stated, O leader of the faithful, I forgive him. Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu replied that you may have forgiven him but I wish to act with caution in relation to your rights. Hazrat Muslim Allah writes that it seems that this individual was of very simple disposition and was not fully aware of his loss and gains. And so the one who had perpetrated the act of slapping him was whipped seven times as punishment. Hazrat Ali Allah then stated that he may have forgiven you, but this punishment has been handed to you by the government. Hazrat Muslim anhu has mentioned another incident which shows the excellent conduct of Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu. Once, Hazrat Ali saw that someone had physically attacked another individual. Hazrat Ali stopped him and told the victim that he should now hit him back. However, he replied that he had forgiven him. Hazrat Ali realized that this individual was only refusing to do so out of fear of the other individual, as the perpetrator of the act was a very oppressive individual. Therefore, Hazrat Ali stated, that you have exercised your personal right and forgave him. However, I will exercise my official right as the leader. Hazrat Ali then handed him a punishment equal to that which he had committed against the weaker individual. Hazrat Muslim anhu states that once a legal matter involving Hazrat Ali was presented before a Muslim magistrate who showed some leniency towards Hazrat Ali. Upon this, Hazrat Ali stated that this is the first act of injustice on your part are showing lenience to me. At this moment, me and the other party are equal. Then, whilst mentioning the qualities of Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, Was he not the most eloquent among the people, the most articulate in speech, and the one who could breathe life through his words? Thus, he could have gathered people around him within an hour or even less due to the strength of his speech and oration, which would have affected the listeners and attracted them. The Promised Messiah further states, I know for certain that no one can be deemed a true believer nor a Muslim until they instill within themselves the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali. May Allah be pleased with them all. Their hearts were pure from the love of this world. Instead, they devoted their lives in the way of Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah then further states, that the Khawarij proclaimed that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala was rebellious and accused him of committing many unrighteous acts. In fact, they consider him to be completely devoid of any faith. Thus, 
A natural question that arises here is that if righteousness, i.e. taqwa, truthfulness and honesty is an essential requirement for one to become a Siddiq, then why is it that God Almighty made certain matters appear unclear or doubtful for the people relating to these pious men who were prophets, messengers and saints? In other words, why were people not able to understand the true reality of the matters in relation to them? And why were their circumstances and their true character hidden from these people? And why did they fail to understand their words and actions to such an extent that they completely expelled them from the fold of righteousness, truthfulness and honesty and considered them to be from among the oppressors who usurped the wealth of others and unlawfully shed the blood of others and committed deception and treachery and was subservient to their inner desires and committed vice. In fact, there are many people in the world who neither claim to be a messenger, prophet, saint, imam or the khalifa of the Muslims and yet no one levels a single allegation against their way of life or their character. The answer to this question is that Allah the Almighty did this so that the true reality of those who are his chosen and beloved servants remains hidden from those evil ones who are quick to pass judgment and in whose nature it is to think ill of others just as God Almighty has concealed himself from others. In other words, just as people think ill of Allah the Almighty who is hidden, in the same way these evil people think ill of his beloved servants as well and they are quick to level allegations against them. In fact, these very people are the ones who are devoid of taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and yet they level accusations and allegations against those who are righteous. The Promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, further states, There is no doubt that Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was a hope for the seekers of the truth, and an unparalleled model of generosity. He was divine proof for the people and the best example of his time. He was the light of Allah that was to illuminate the world. But the era of his caliphate was not a time of peace and safety, but rather it was a time of intense conflict and discord. People differed between his caliphate and the caliphate of Ibn Abi Sufyan and would look to them in a state of utter perplexity. Some people consider them to be like the two bright Farqad stars and consider them equal in stature. However, the fact of the matter is that the truth was on the side of Ali Murtaza and those who fought against him were rebellious and transgressors. However, his caliphate was not the recipient of the glad tiding given by the gracious God regarding the establishment of peace and security. In fact, Hazrat Ali ta'ala anhu was given a lot of pain from his opponents and his caliphate was tarnished through various kinds of evils. Allah had greatly blessed him but he remained full of sorrow and grief his entire life. He was not able to propagate the message of Islam and eradicate the satanic forces in the land like the caliphs before him. In fact, he was not even spared from being reviled by his own people. His every plan and desire was denied by his people and they failed to unite around him. Rather, they were bent on continuously carrying out injustices against him and causing him pain. They hindered him and placed obstacles in every path of his. However, he was extremely patient and amongst the righteous. 
But still, we cannot say that his caliphate was a fulfillment of the glad tidings mentioned in Ayat al-Istikhlaf, because his khilafat was during an era of disorder, rebellion and turmoil. The promised Messiah further states, It is vital to believe that Siddiqi Akbar, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq, Hazrat Umar Farooq, Hazrat Zun Nurain, Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhumah were all the custodians of the faith. The Promised Messiah further states regarding the status of Hazrat Ali He writes that Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, was righteous and pious. He was a beloved of Allah, the gracious God. He was the elect of Allah and the chief of his era. He was the victorious lion of Allah, the benevolent, a pure-hearted and generous youth who belonged to God. He was peerless and his bravery was such that he would remain resolute in the battlefield even if an army from among the enemy stood in front of him. He lived his life with great humility, reaching the highest peak of piety that a mortal can attain. He would sacrifice his money and wealth and was the foremost in consoling and helping the destitute, orphans and neighbours. On the battlefield, he demonstrated extraordinary feats of bravery and displayed a miraculous skill in handling the sword and spear. But at the same time, he was soft-spoken and an eloquent orator. His words would penetrate the hearts of the listeners and remove the corrosion of their minds. His countenance shone bright with the light of truth. He was an outstanding orator. Whosoever competed with him in this field would themselves step down, overpowered and defeated by his eloquence. His every attribute was outstanding and he was flawless in his speech and eloquence and he who denies his perfection adopts the way of the shameless. He would encourage others to remove the difficulties of the helpless and he would command to feed the poor and needy. He was among those who were honoured with the nearness of God and the foremost people who drank from the fountain of the Qur'an's wisdom and he was gifted with a deep understanding and insight of the intricacies of the Holy Qur'an. The Promised Messiah further states, I have seen him, I Hazrat Ali, but not in a dream, rather in a state of wakefulness. I met him in a vision, I Kashf, and whilst in this state, Hazrat Ali radiallahu bestowed upon me the commentary of the Book of Allah, the knower of the unseen, and stated, This is my commentary, and now it is bestowed upon you. Rejoice over that which has been bestowed upon you. In other words, Hazrat Ali gave this commentary to the Promised Messiah and stated that may this be a blessing for you. The Promised Messiah then states that thus I stretched forth my hand and took the commentary and thanked Allah, the mighty and bestower of all things. I found Hazrat Ali to be of proportionate build, possessing moral excellence, humble, strong and had a radiant countenance. The Promised Messiah then further states that I affirm on oath that Hazrat Ali met me with great love and affection and it was conveyed to me that he knew me and was aware of my beliefs and he was also aware that my views and beliefs were opposed to the beliefs held by the Shias. However, he never expressed any sort of displeasure or disapproval at this 
and nor did he turn away from me. Instead, he met me like one's beloved and showed me great affection, just like a true and sincere friend would do so. He was accompanied, Ay Hazrat Ali radiallahu was accompanied by both Hassan and Hussein and by the chief of the messengers, the seal of the prophets sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Also, in their company was a very beautiful, righteous young woman of high status. She was blessed, pure, dignified and worthy of honour. Her inner and outer qualities were infused with spiritual light. I found her to be in a state of grief which she was trying to suppress. It was conveyed to me that she was Fatima Zahra. I was lying down as she approached me and sat down next to me. She then placed my head upon her thigh and was most kind to me and I noticed that she was sorrowful and anxious on account of my troubles as mothers are anxious on account of the tribulations of their children. There are certain non-Ahmadis who raise allegations on this stating that how wrong it is to say such a thing in that he placed his head on her thigh. However, the promised Messiah has given the example of a mother. If one reads the entire extract from the beginning and the qualities he has mentioned in relation to her and then reads this particular sentence in which it states that she showed kindness to him like that of a mother, then it leaves no room for any allegation. However, since their minds are polluted, therefore they raise such allegations. But in any case, the promised Messiah states, it was then conveyed to me that my relationship with her, i.e. with Fatima was like that of a spiritual son. It passed through my mind that her sorrow was an indication of the persecution that I was to undergo at the hands of my people, countrymen and enemies. Then Hassan and Hussein approached me and expressed their affection towards me like that of brothers and met me like kind well-wishers. This vision was one of those that I experienced while I was awake and this took place many years ago. I have a unique relationship with Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Hussein, of which only God, the Lord of the East and West, knows its true reality. In fact, I have deep love for Hazrat Ali radiallahu and his sons, and I am an enemy of the one who is an enemy of them. However, I am not unjust, nor am I from among the oppressors, and it is not possible for me to turn away from what Allah the Almighty has revealed to me, and I am not of the transgressors. However, if you fail to accept this, then for you your deeds and for me my deeds. And Allah will judge between us, for Allah is the best of judges. This now completes the accounts from the life of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And inshallah, the next series of accounts will begin. At this time, I would like to announce that inshallah, after offering the prayers, I will launch a new television channel which will broadcast 24 hours and it is called MTA Ghana. The Wahab Adam studio in Ghana was completed in 2017 and it was named in honour of the late Amid, a missionary in charge.
The studio produces over 60% of the current programs for MTA Africa channels. The studio has 17 full-time staff members and over 60 volunteers who are trained in the various departments. The Wahab Adam Studios is one of the most advanced studios in Ghana and has some of the best facilities and various media organizations and broadcasters send their staff to the studio for training purposes and work experience. The studio has produced many live programs, including the first Quran competition in Africa and Ramadan programs and many others. A new channel is now being launched under the name of MTA Ghana. MTA Ghana will be a new 24-hour national TV channel broadcasting on a digital platform in Ghana. MTA Ghana will be available to view without the need of a satellite dish and can be accessed through a normal aerial. This means that the people of Ghana can easily access it even with a normal antenna. The channel can be found in the same place as the other major TV channels in Ghana and will be accessible to hundreds of thousands of homes within the country and will cover all regions from the south to the north. The programs will be produced from the Wahab Adam Studios in various languages of Ghana, including English, Chui, Ga, Hausa and others. The transmission and scheduling of the channel will be run locally from the Wahab Adam Studios through Lajna volunteers and other teams. And many programs will be produced to provide moral training and other educational programs. And in this way, the true and beautiful teachings of Islam will be conveyed to the people through this channel. And inshallah, MTA Ghana will be the only dedicated Islamic channel on the digital platform in Ghana. On the one hand, the opponents of the Jamaat seek to hinder our path, but at the same time, Allah the Almighty opens up many other new avenues for us. These are the blessings of Allah the Almighty upon the Jamaat. Inshallah, those paths of ours which they have hindered will also open at its appropriate time. However, at the same time, Allah the Almighty has granted us the means of our happiness and joy. Thus, this channel will inshallah cover the entire country and maybe even certain areas in the neighboring countries as well. And inshallah, as I have just mentioned, that after the Friday prayers, I will inaugurate the channel. Furthermore, as I have been drawing attention towards these days, that pray especially for those who have been falsely imprisoned in Pakistan and Algeria. May Allah the Almighty create the means for them to be freed. And pray for the general state of affairs in Pakistan as well. That may Allah the Almighty enable Ahmadis there to live in peace. And may he bring the opponents of Ahmadiyyad to their senses. And if not, then may Allah the Almighty deal with them as he so wills and enable Ahmadis to be freed of them. And the Ahmadis of Pakistan should also particularly focus on offering voluntary supplications, praying and giving sadaqat. May Allah the Almighty keep them in his protection and security. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Inahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'khiru wa na'minu bihi wa natawakkalu ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يعده الله فلا مضل له 